Hello and welcome to season 6 of the Global Career Calls, the podcast of the University of London Career Service devoted to professional and academic journeys, narrated by employers, University of London alumni and students from around the world. This season's spotlight is technology and, more precisely, the transformative impact of AI in the current and future work market. We hope you enjoy this season. In this episode, we hear from Henner Schlebs, a marketing and sales executive working in the technology sector in the United States. Henner, interviewed by our senior career consultant, Liz Wilkinson, will share his personal experience in stakeholder management. From tips on how to leverage the transformative power of AI when entering the job market to insight on the importance of empathy and interpersonal skills, he will describe how he successfully navigated his career journey. Hello, Henna. How lovely to talk to you. I'm talking to you from London. Where are you talking from? Hey, good afternoon, Liz. I'm talking from the beautiful city of Austin in central Texas in the U.S. Fantastic. Oh, well, welcome. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. So can you give me a, a sense of what a typical week might look for you? So basically, I'm a go-to-market executive, right? So I have some experience in terms of marketing. I have in more recent years more focused on the sales side of the house, getting closer again to customers. Uh, And typically my work week is dominated by stakeholder management, right? We, We have usually a lot of very important initiatives going on in any given organization that I have worked at. And that requires uh, strong communication across the board, right? Because typically, specifically on the technology uh, side, you have multiple people, multiple teams involved in whatever undertaking you're pursuing right now. And stakeholder management and communication is a very, very important piece, right? So these conversations need to be consolidated, summarized, spread, You need buying from certain people. You need collaboration with certain people. You need input from certain people. So there is a lot of talking involved, a lot of phone conversations involved, usually a lot of travel involved. It's still a people business, right? You can do only so much like we're doing right now over the phone. But depending on the gravity of the undertaking, it requires also some personal or in-person meetings, if you will. So some travel is involved as well, right? So it's a lot of talking, sometimes more talking than I wish for. I still love to roll up my sleeves and dig in. I still love my own projects as part of the team that I'm leading. And sometimes there is not enough time for that. I'm trying to figure out better ways how I can still have my personal project as part of the team that I'm and could you give me an example of the exciting project you've been working on recently? Yes, I'm having one in mind, which was implementing a third-party software. Although I'm working at a software or I was at that time working at a software company that basically delivers a, a similar concept, right? So 
It is like if you are working at Ford and you try to uh, drive a Tesla, if you will, because the Ford that the electric vehicle that your company is delivering is not 100% fulfilling the purpose that you need in that environment. So I really had to establish a new environment in our field organization, implementing a third-party software. And you can probably imagine how much resistance you have to overcome. You're trying to change a process that was established for the last 15 years. And that was very, very interesting and challenging to say the very least. In, in sort of bringing something like that to completion, what do you think are the most important skills and qualities that you need to apply? Oh, wow. That's a really, really tough question. And I wish there was this one answer. I think there's a couple of areas that you need to tackle from a really personal perspective in such a humongous undertaking like that, right? The first thing is kind of a transdisciplinary competency that you have to bring in here because also here you're working with so many different types of people and so many different teams that are involved, right? If you look into a global software company like I was working for those days, there's at least 10 different organizations that you have to manage and you have to manage the change in those organizations, right? And each of the different organizations you're tackling have their own pain points, their own challenges, their own goals, their own marching order from their executives. And you really have to try to align and find the least common denominator across all those with still having the big goal in mind that you have in transforming an existing process into something more modern, right? So how do you best manage this transdisciplinary um, situation here? I think the first one is empathy that you have to drive, right? You have to understand no matter if it's a CEO mandate or whatever title is mandating you to drive this thing, Every person is human and every person has their own 40, 50, 60 hours a week they have to somehow manage, right? And even beyond the pure professional lives, everybody has their package to carry, right? So depending on who you're talking to, you have to be utmost empathetic and make sure that you're really talking the same language in order to uh, get what you need and provide what they need, right? How do you also tackle this? I think another important point is trust. You're trying to change people's lives, people, people's professional lives, right? And one of the people I'm looking up most is a gentleman called Bill McDermott. He used to be SAP's CEO. He's currently ServiceNow CEO. He's, he's a superstar, right? And he always tried to get to us leaders in that company in, in terms of building trust, right? His, his saying always was trust comes in drops and goes in buckets. And the importance here is really a slow and midterm process to build trust, right? People have to trust you in order to follow you. And this is super important on the change management side, right? It's not a top-down initiative per se. But the trust piece is a bottoms-up portion of that, right? 
And this is what you have to be able to build is trust, right? Otherwise people will not follow you. And maybe on the surface, everything looks green and you get your check marks that you need. But in real life, the process you're trying to change is not followed through and you will not be successful. One more point here, which is a combined point between being visionary and having this strategic thinking and being an analyst yourself, right? I would argue, and there's a famous saying of a, a Dutch scientist, was it Dutch or Danish? Apologies if I offend either a Dutch or a Danish person here. But his saying was, without data, you're just another guy with an opinion. So always, always, always be very diligent in how you formulate your thinking and your vision, it always has to be undermined with data, right? You always have to be able to prove why you want somebody to change how they are doing things with data, right? You can have the greatest talking track, the greatest storyline lined up. Uh, it is not as valuable as if you would be able to say, hey, if you do X, uh, then Y will happen because these data points that I'm showing you here will support this. And it has already happened in other organizations, in other companies, in other countries or whatever. But the data needs to be there to support your assumption why somebody needs to change. Lots of really great points there. And while we're on that subject of sort of vision, strategy and the importance of data, it was a good moment perhaps to say that a lot of the chat at the moment is about how AI is going to transform it everything. And I'd be really interested to hear your views on what do you think will really change with, with all this development of generative AI? Yeah. So basically, as you see, technology is changing everything, right? And for me personally, AI is not necessarily such a hype topic as it is made. You believe it is through media right now, right? Of course, it is important, but we, we had AI-like topics since many, many years, right? There, there was no Google or Microsoft behind it so far in terms of acquiring bigger companies, spending multiple billions to acquire these startups, etc. But the term around data, call it big data or data lakes or what have you, has been floating around since forever. I think the important part here is that you see a trend in the market that everything is moving towards technology. It does not matter which industry you're looking at. Everything is trending towards technology, right? Look at whatever manufacturing, right? Using new technology to improve efficiency, productivity, and quality in what they are manufacturing, right? For example, you use AI to automate tasks such as quality control or predictive maintenance, right? And make sure that the high cost assets that you're deploying are always working and that you can deliver according to the demand that has been projected for you, right? And, and you use whatever machine learning to optimize production schedules and identify new product opportunities, right? So manufacturing is changing big time through technology, right? Take something completely different, agriculture, you would want to make sure that you improve your yields, right? Reduce the cost that the farmer has in order to get to yielding, right? 
protecting the environment is a super important topic. And you use drones that survey the crops and you use robots that use to pick up the fruit and fruits and the veggies in order to better manage the cost side, right? And you use sensors to use to monitor the soil moisture and nutrient levels in order for the drones to spread some nutrients uh, into the ground, right? Things like that. Healthcare, super important market for technology, right? Electronic health records are not commonplace in all the countries, right? It's, it's a humongous topic here in the U.S. as an example. What can we do to improve the patient care? How can we better use telemedicine to provide remote care in order to be more efficient in managing patients out there? What about wearable devices? I'm charging it, but usually I'm wearing wearing a Apple Watch, right? In order to check my own health. And I really live by that. So what I want to say is technology is getting everywhere into every industry. AI is a humongous part of it. And super optimists like I am even think that governmental and stage agencies are getting into technology as well. Little funny side story. I'm, I'm calling our local sheriff Al. Uh, I, I actually don't know his, his name, right? But each Sunday, we live across the street from a humongous Texan-style church with every Sunday in service, there are, I don't know, 5,000 people in there. It's really a wonderful show, if you will, religion aside. And of course, this causes a big traffic problem. And our local artificial intelligence, which if you just see the two letters, uh, reminds me of the name Al. <laughs> And the AI that we're using here is four people from the sheriff's office sitting at 100 degrees in front of a switch box, switching the traffic lights so the traffic flows a little bit more smoothly, right? This is the level of technology that our local community here is using, which is far away from AI, which is really three poor, black, uniformed people sitting at 100 degrees in front of a switch box and watching the traffic and switching the traffic light. So, but I, this funny side story aside, I think really every industry is going into AI and whatever you call it, I call it more broadly technology and technology is changing the whole planet and AI might be giving us another aha moment like in the 90s the internet has given us, right? Because it brings technology closer to people and into every tiniest little niche of everybody's life today. A great, great and fascinating sort of big pictures and examples of its transformative power for us as a society. And, you know, if you were an individual sort of career starter or a career developer or a career changer, how might you be changing your professional approach if this is as transformative as the internet? I mean, there's two, two general statements I want to put in here before I go specifically into AI. The first thing is for all the starters out there, right? The rookies, look for who is hiring you any more than the company or the rear role, I think that's something, if I go back into my own career, my initial managers, people that I looked up to, people that I learned from, they were so tremendously important to me and the development of my career. And I, I would argue that I would not be where I am today 
if I did not have those strong individuals that were really taking care of me at the very, very beginning of my career. And the second is, if you look into an industry and find this manager, right? There's a famous saying from Sheryl Sandberg, another person that I look up to, a former CEO of Facebook. She was saying, if you're offered a seat on a rocket ship, don't ask what seat, right? So leverage the momentum that we're seeing right now. And this is also a little bit the transition into technology and AI, right? There are so many companies out there which currently have a super high momentum. And I'm not only talking about the big fish like OpenAI or others that recently went through the press. I'm really talking about companies that make use of generative AI because currently it's a starting point like the internet in the 90s. And a lot of the listeners probably were not even born then. But it's a trial and error period right now, right? The real momentum comes with application. The real momentum comes with if you have something custom built to serve a certain purpose. And I, I name a company Jasper AI. I have no, no affiliation with them whatsoever. I don't even know anyone working there. I don't own any shares or whatever. But they were one of the early entrants in a market to use generative AI and make use of all the models behind that and all their capabilities, but for a certain purpose, which is build content for a marketer, right? So if you intend to be a marketer out there, you probably will come across Jasper AI or any competitive company in that field to use generative AI, but with trained models of that company that specifically help you to write content. And that's something that fundamentally changes different roles as well, right? So there are not battalions of writers there that use their creativity. Those people will use AI in order to get the content done and then use it to apply what is coming out there most intelligently, right? And most effectively in order to really serve the purpose. So what, what I see is that AI is changing a lot of traditional roles out there, not replacing them, but making some of the tasks of the mundane tasks more or less obsolete and use the human intelligence to reapply those. I think we're misled by the term AI a little bit, that it implies there is really intelligence, but... Currently, still, there is no real intelligence in AI. If you look at ChatGPT, data is cut off in 2021, currently in the current model. And it only uses information that is already there, but it does not create anything new. Right? This is on us humans, on us to use what is existing as a tool and be innovative and create something new out of this. If everybody is using Jasper AI for their positioning or their blogging or something like that, right? How boring would the world be, right? How unified would everything be, right? How would you be able to differentiate between an offering of SAP and Oracle in the enterprise software case if, if everybody's using the same engines and not putting some human intelligence into this? Gosh, it would be boring. This would be kind of a 1983 
George Orwell horror scenario where everything is the same, everything's gray, and everything's somehow dictated. Right? So this is why this human factor is more and more getting important in the business life in adding the value to a process, to an outcome that a machine cannot offer, right? And you hear all the people that are way smarter than I am. I got the name of the Alibaba founder right now. It dropped my mind. He's always saying, hey, if you want to do your kids a favor, don't teach them anything technology or whatever. That's fine. That's part of your normal education, but teach them the things that technology cannot do, right? And I'm referring here really to what soft skills that are needed. They don't replace any traditional education at all. I'm not saying that, but they are getting more and more important because in a traditional sense, a lot of the activities that have filled full areas of jobs and job categories are moving slightly away from these activities. And the important, is, the important thing is more and more the outcome. And the activity is moving towards the background because partially activities are being done by robots, sensors, AI, machine learning, all the, the technology stuff. And the importance really comes in, what do you do with that, right? How do you use all these tools that are there in order to provide for the best outcome? So if I can sort of stay on that subject of soft skills, because yeah, this is mm -hmm. great to hear your perspective. And I was just thinking, if I'm a career developer, I've been working for, say, 10, 15 years, and then this new wave of technology has come in, and I'm working in a technology field, maybe in a very technical role, maybe in a more of a business role, what are the sort of activities that I should be doing to leverage the, my soft skills and show my leadership? skills so that I'm adding value to the robots. That's exactly the one word that has to be in mind for everybody trying to establish their own careers or change their own career, right? The word value that you have mentioned, it does not matter what type of job you're doing. You always have to look for the value and you always have to understand in your current environment, what is the value that you are contributing to the bigger good, right? If you're an individual contributor, what is your value to the team? You have to understand what is your team's value to the broader team. You have to understand what is the broader team's value to your organizational value creation. So what tiny uh, piece of the, the clockwork are you? Which dial in the Rolex that you're working in? are you, right? And every conversation you're having needs to be around the value, right? You have to be perceptive of the value that you're driving for the audience you're talking to, be it your coworker, be it your customer, be it your boss, be it your boss's boss, be it a partner in the overall clockwork. So the value component is something, if you're always driving towards the value that's a very, very first step in developing your own leadership skills, right? And uh, I'm having a lot of mentor-mentee conversations, both with my own mentors, but in my case right now, more importantly to the mentees that I'm chaperoning right now, right? You don't have to be a manager or have any HR responsibilities in an organization to be a good leader. A good leader starts in kindergarten, right? Is somebody who sees, hey, there's a fellow little dude 
that needs help. So I step up and help this person tie their shoes or carry the soup at lunchtime from the kitchen to the desk or something like that. Leadership is something everybody can uh, establish and show in every aspect of their life. It has nothing to do with your professional life. It's really every aspect of your life. Right? Leadership is opening the door for the old granny in the grocery store. Leadership is picking up garbage on the floor and putting it into the next public garbage bin. Leadership is so much more than most people think it is. And don't wait until you're a manager in an organization or somebody calls you, you're part of a leadership team or whatever. Leadership is really 24-7 in your own life and you have to practice it. That's really, really interesting to hear. So I just well, we've been looking at some big picture stuff, but then sort of bringing it back again, talk a little bit about your career trajectory and how you would like to see your career develop over the next few years. Is there anything you'd like to share with us? Definitely, I am a, a tech person, right? And I don't mean in terms of hands-on technology. Unfortunately, I'm not geeky at all. I wish I was. And you can see me, I even looked a little bit like with my radars on, right? I look like I was a geek, but I'm not. I'm a tech person in terms of the, the business I'm trying to drive, right? So if if you have a tech education or if you are not having a tech education, my recommendation really is take care of technology, right? In your life. If you're a business person like I am, be at least in a situation where you have a a dangerous semi knowledge about technology, right? Not from a coding or hardware standpoint, but what can technology do in order to improve your life, right? Personally, but also professionally. So I'm a tech aficionado as well. At the same time, I'm a finance guy as well, right? From my education standpoint and from my uh, career standpoint, I always worked with finance people. I think. Finance is a very, very strong area. And I don't mean the financial services sector. It's a side conversation. It's super important as well. But I mean finance in an organization because finance used to be kind of hindering innovation. And I think there is a change underway. So if you can somehow work in finance and help transform finance also into the more investment-oriented future strategic role that we're talking about since 20 years, right? I haven't seen this trickle through yet, but slowly but steadily, we're getting there. Getting the CFO or finance executives of an organization into really this investment thinking, approving more investment in innovation, in technology in an organization. Then you would do the whole planet a favor and driving more innovation in this world because I think innovation has just started, right? If you, if you see what has happened over the last 10, 20 years, that makes up 2000 years before that, right? I think there's even an algorithm that somehow shows the speed of innovation is dramatically increasing, right? It's exponentially increasing, right? And I think. There is a saying, innovation has never been as fast as today. And at the same time, it, it will never be perceived as slow as today. So I am so excited about what is to come in the future. I want to be part of that. I 
foresee a strong consolidation of the market. I was talking about this earlier, right? There's a gazillion of hyper-growing, wonderful, super interesting companies out there in the technology sector, and they will all undergo the, the classical market scenario, right? There's a, a ton of different specialized companies, and they will all consolidate slowly but steadily into something bigger through mergers and acquisitions, through companies going out of business, through natural growth in their organizations, right? But the market has never been as interesting as it is right now. And I definitely want to be a part of this market, and I definitely will be part of this market. And as, as much as I have people around me in my age who slowly but steadily start thinking into retirement, I'm definitely not there. I think I'm just getting started right now. And I think the market opportunity, talking about the rocket ship I referred to earlier on, is right now. I saw today the Virgin Galactic was hitting off on TV. And I think that's a good picture to have in mind with the market in and around technology right now, it's really just starting off, right? So if you're a young person or if you're thinking about changing your current career and get into a little bit more technology-oriented business processes, do it. Fantastic. Well, that's a great place to finish our call. So thank you so much for sharing your insights with us, Hannah. We look forward to joining you on board that rocket ship. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you, Liz. This was the sixth season of the Global Career Schools podcast, brought to you by the University of London Career Service, this time devoted to technology and artificial intelligence. You can find our episode on your favorite streaming platform, including Acast, Spotify, Amazon Music and Apple Podcast. All links and resources are in the notes. This episode was hosted by Liz Wilkinson, edited and presented by me, Bushra Janu. We'll publish more episodes in the following weeks with some inspiring stories from our global graduate and student cohort, so please subscribe. Thank you for listening and join us next time for a new Global Career Call.